I've got um, some things I want to say is this stuff that's being added as we go. I'm, I'm writing all over my paper. <laughs> Praise God. There's so many things God wants us to, to, to know in this time. I feel like I'm being pulled a couple, two or three different directions this morning. So we'll just do our best to give you uh, as, much as, as much as you can take. All right? Okay. Um, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We can go and read the whole thing again, verse 8 through 12. All right? Let's read that together. Ready? Read. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So Paul says, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Then he says down here in verse um, 12, he says, he says, I'm persuaded. I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. He is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. I want to talk again on this subject, this part three, stay in your lane, part three. Father God, today I thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I ask you, dear father, for your precious spirit to fill this room, for your anointing, your glory, to fill this room, to fill me, to fill my heart. I pray, God, that you fill my mouth with your words and fill my mind with your thoughts, oh God. I pray that it'll be you that ministers to these, your people, and that, your, that every heart is ready to receive. Every mind is open. Every ear is open. Every eye is open. That every, every mind is alert and sharp, ready to receive your word today, God. Let revelation flow freely in this place. And let your word be glorified among your people. This is our prayer. We believe we receive these things now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, now we've been talking again about uh, this set time for God's purpose and his plans in the earth. And I've been talking to you about how God is releasing a greater dimension of grace on his people. Right? Anybody been here these last few weeks? Okay. All right. Talk back to me now if you can. So, I just want to make sure we're together because, like I said, I'm not even sure where all I'm going today. There's just a lot of junk. Uh, uh, junk. I got to get out. Okay. Junk. I'm talking about junk that's in us has to get out so we can fulfill our purpose okay so just roll with me amen and so we've been talking about how this grace is 
pertinent to your assignment or your purpose. So God doesn't give you grace for no reason. Many people talk about, you know, we sing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Well, yeah, sure, we're saved by grace, but we're also called by grace. And that grace is for us to fulfill our calling. The grace is on us to fulfill our calling. Okay, grace isn't just here to make us feel good. Grace is not, not for us to just squeaky, squeak by into heaven. That's what people like to make grace for. You know, grace, I'm going to just slide by into heaven, you know, live any kind of way I want to live. And, you know, grace is on me. And so, you know, God forgives me of all my stuff. That's not what grace is all about. Grace is all about giving you the power to do what God called you to do. Right? And every one of us has a grace on our lives. And so this grace, the grace is on you for you to fulfill your calling, to fulfill your assignment. Fulfill. Everybody say fulfill. Fulfill. Um, and I want you to hear the word fulfill. This is, this is really the main gist of, I believe, what God is trying to, trying to get us to get today. When I say the word fulfill, don't just think do. I want you to think complete. Fulfill. Any of y'all ever ordered a product online? Yes. Amazon, eBay, whatever, Best Buy. And you order online, and I know this from having worked in, in call center industry at one time, that there's a, something called a fulfillment center. And the whole point of the fulfillment center is when you place that, when you place that order, uh, some, some, some older system, a, a physical a person has to actually go and, and pick that order put it on, you know, box it, package it or whatever to send it to you. Now some systems that's, you know, Amazon, some of these bigger ones have some computerized, you know, a robot goes and pulls your order and boxes it and so forth. But it, they're all part of the fulfillment process. Right? Now, your order is not considered fulfilled until, not, not just because it's ordered. Not just because the order was pulled. Not just because it was packaged, not just because it was, it was sent. It's not considered fulfilled until you receive it. So the fulfillment process isn't, isn't done until the, everything is complete and you're satisfied. So if God called you, which means he placed an order on your life, It's not fulfilled just because, well, I came to church. Just because, well, I got saved. Just because, well, I got me a business card. Just because, well, I joined a ministry. No, it's not, it's not fulfilled until you have completed your assignment that God has given you in your life. Are you with me? Y'all wake up now. This is too early to sleep. So, so because of that, there's a grace that you need to fulfill it. Because God is well aware. He's not surprised. He's well aware that when he gives you an assignment, when he gives you a purpose, there's an enemy coming, up, coming by to keep you from fulfilling your purpose. He's well aware that you have an adversary, the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Paul said this in one place. He said, he said a, a, a great and effectual door has opened to me, but there are many adversaries. I think it's 
uh, 1 Corinthians 16 somewhere, one of those places. He says, a great door is open to me, but there are many. That word many also translate as great. So in other words, when there's a great door, there's going to be great adversaries. When you have a great assignment, there's going to be great adversaries. When you have a great purpose, there's going to be great adversaries. When you have a great assignment, there's going to be great adversaries. So what you need in the midst of that is grace. Uh, give me Acts 4. And um, let's try 30. 33, 31, it's going to be so in this area. We just put 31 up Let's start there. Oh, 33, that's it. Praise God. It says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great, come on, grace, grace was upon them all. Well, why would you figure great grace had to be upon them all? Because they were about to come up, some, come up against some enemies, some foes, some adversaries, some obstacles, that if they didn't have great grace, it would overwhelm them. In fact, if you read this chapter, uh, what happens before this, this, this particular uh, verse here is Peter and John had been arrested. They, they were preaching the gospel. They had healed a man at the beautiful gate. Remember that in Acts chapter 3? And the people came against them heavily. I mean, they're, they're, they're threatening to kill them. Hey, you guys stop preaching that name and so on and so forth. And the Bible says that Peter and John, of course, God delivered them and so forth. And then they get here and they go back to preaching. And the Bible says now with great power, they were giving witness. They're, this is there in their assignment. And God had to put great grace upon them all. Because God knew that this was not going to be their last jail experience. It wasn't going to be the last time the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and the scribes came against them. Are you following what I'm saying to you today? This is boring already. Okay. People are already dozing off. Too many carbs. You don't, don't eat grits and pancakes before you come to church. And biscuits. Hallelujah. So, you need great grace because of the opposition. The great grace is so that you can fulfill your assignment. Because, listen ladies and gentlemen, your pay is based on your fulfillment. Not on your attempt. There, there, there's no A for effort in the kingdom. Oh, I got, I got one. This is for all the modern, the modern school uh, programs. There's no participation award. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Chris. When I was growing up, we were in school. You know, you you we had field day. Y'all remember field day? You got you 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 went you tried to get that ribbon first place, first, second, or third. There was no participation. Well, we just glad everybody's a winner because he showed up. That's, we used to have, have oratorical contests. You know, oratorical con you know speech speaking. You know, speech, speech, and speeches, and all that kind of good stuff. Writing essays and all that kind of stuff. You know, MLK Day. You know, you know, you had to, you had to do something. It wasn't no. Well, we're just glad you showed up. You get a trophy. Hey, man, that's. I don't want to lose this trophy. Paul said, "We all run, but run that you may win. Run that you may win." So, so God is rating us. And is paying us 
based on our fulfilling our assignment. Glory to God. Lord, Holy Ghost, help me get this out today. So, we need help in fulfilling our assignment. We need grace to fulfill our assignment. Grace to not, not just do it, not, not just grace because of the enemy, but grace because of the enemy. I heard TDJ say this one time, the enemy enemy. <laughs> in other words, there's an enemy in me trying to keep me from fulfilling my assignment. Then, then y'all get to hear me. Because this enemy, one, tries to get me envious of other people's assignments. Look at what they're doing. Oh, look at what they're doing. Or he tried, this enemy tries to get me to say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I ain't, I ain't cut out for this or this too hard or I don't want to, I want to move on to something else. I'm bored. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's one of the most dangerous prevalent words in the body of Christ today. I'm bored. I better preach because she said it's right in the house. I'm bored. How many of y'all ever heard people say that? I'm bored. Now, my, my, my children already know in my house the one word you better not ever use in my house is I'm bored. All that yard out there? All those weeds need plucking? All that grass need clipping? All that sidewalk needs sweeping? All that dust need dusting? <laughs> Come on now, do I have any, any parents? Nobody. Don't, don't, don't tell me you're bored. Don't, don't tell me you're bored. And yet, in the body, the body of Christ is plagued with allow this grown-up children. Who are bored in the body. Bored in the body. Bored in the body of Christ. Bored in the most exciting game in town. Bored in the kingdom of God. Bored. It, bored in the kingdom of God. You bored? How do you have time to be bored in the kingdom of God? First of all, walking by faith is the most exciting walk you can ever have. But secondly, and what I'm trying to deal with over these last few weeks here, is that if you're in the body, baby, you have a purpose. And so you can't be bored if you know your purpose. Because your purpose demands your full-time attention. And what has happened is, we have allowed the cares of this life deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in to take precedence over our purpose. I'm bored, so I got to move. I'm 
bored, so I got to change jobs. I'm bored, so I got to change churches. I'm bored, so I got to change cities. I'm bored, so I got to go out and fly a kite. There's nothing wrong with flying a kite. Nothing wrong with it. Y'all here, nothing wrong with kite flying. Kite flying is very fun. It's very relaxing. But you weren't called to fly kites. You can fly a kite if you want to. In your spare time. And what we're doing is, because of boredom, we're allowing things that should be in our spare time to become our main attraction. And the devil gets people so googly out of what they see in the world. That's the problem. It's people looking at the world, but that's the problem. They're looking at what they see in the world, that's the problem. They're looking at what they see in the world, that's the problem. They're watching too much TV. They're looking at what they see in the world, and because, well, the world, that looks so exciting. Look at, look at what Kim and Kanye are doing. Not to pick on Kim and Kanye, but I'm talking about what people are doing, though. People are looking at that and saying, ooh, look at that, that's so fun. And it pulls you off your purpose. Four hours watching, you know, on Instagram. Three hours watching other, fe- other people on YouTube doing their thing. And you're totally unproductive. And the church said amen. Oh, don't worry, I only got a few minutes. Don't worry about it. Just a few minutes. A few minutes of this. I'm just, I'm just telling you what, what we got to get in the body of Christ because every one of us, go to 2 Timothy 1. Let's jump right into this here. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, says that we have been saved. Right? And called. So everybody say, I've been saved. And I've been called. Glory to God. Now, if you don't know you're called, if you don't know you have a purpose, then you, I told you this last week, you become expendable. You become dispensable. In other words, uh, you know, take it or leave it. You, you live your life as, as if you're an extra. You live your life as if, as if you're not really important to God's scheme. You live your life as if, well, you know, long as, well, pastor doing his job. And you act like you don't have a job. So, so, but when you understand you're called, and I don't have time to go, keep going over this, you got it. You got it, right? Yes. I got three of y'all said you got it. The rest of y'all ain't got it? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna help you. Everybody say, I'm saved, I'm saved. and I am, I am called. Okay? Not just pastor and prophet so-and-so. I am, you are called. And it says he, we're called, not according to our works, but according to his own uh, purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, who's speaking here again? Paul, very good class. Paul speaking here. And Paul is, y'all, that wasn't good. I was just trying to encourage you. <laughs> this is Paul. When the Paul is, first, second Timothy is written by Paul. Okay. Praise God. So Paul is speaking here. <laughs> Let's try it again. They're going to edit that part out. So who's speaking here, class? Paul. <laughs> Look at my church, boy. Yeah, 
So Paul is speaking here, and Paul says that we've been called uh, according to his, to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. All right, now, I want you to know that grace, this grace, man, it, it can change your life. When God calls you, it changes your life. How many of y'all remember what you used to be? Vaguely, you know. Oh, I, but you remember, boy, whoo, I used to be a humdinger. I used to be a mess. Some, some of y'all should have had two hands up. Y'all just, y'all, uh, you, act, you, act, you act like you always been saved. You always act like you always been right. Some people have both feet up. Praise the Lord. Huh? I hear you deep. But remember what we said here. It's not according to your works. It's according to his own purpose and grace. Which means that God didn't look at you the way you were and said, I can't use you. He looked at you the way you were. Remember, he formed you. Remember, I taught you that a couple weeks ago. And so your purpose uh, was already assigned to you before you got born again. <clears throat> so uh, go to... Go to uh, First Timothy. I want to show you something in First Timothy. Guess who wrote First Timothy? Paul. Paul. Very good class. First Timothy chapter one and verse twelve, because Paul's the one that wrote this, and he knows about what happens when God calls you. In fact, I went to that Wednesday night. Those of you who were here Wednesday night, I showed you how Paul was called. You know, he fell off that beast and God called him and he was trying to go to the, to the Jews and God has already told him you're going to the Gentiles and through rejection, God nudged him. Rejection is direction. Sometimes we despise rejection, but the, the rejection is sometimes God's direction. When people despise you, when people reject you, when people don't want to have you, you know, when they, when, they, when they reject your teaching, when they reject your word, God is saying, move on from there. I want you to, there's, I'm trying to get you over here. You, you still trying to, trying to throw your pearls to the swine and your bread to the dogs. You got to move on. All right. Rejection is, is par for the course. Par for the course. Remember that, remember that phrase I just used. What did I say? Par for the course. Rejection is par for the course. Don't forget that word course. This is going to come back up again today. I, I, it's par for the course. Which, which you think about Joseph when Joseph was called. Didn't Joseph get rejected? He came telling his brothers about this calling on his life. They threw him in a pit. Get on out of from here. But their rejection was God's direction. David, David came along, you know, had his call on his life. He went out there talking to his brothers out there on the, on the battlefield, and his brothers rejected him. Get on out from here, boy. But God was simply directing him, even through his rejection. Jesus, Jesus came along. Y'all know Jesus wasn't, wasn't Mary's uh, only child, right? He was the first, but he wasn't the only. Other uh, brothers came along, sisters came along, and the Bible says that his brothers rejected him. But their rejection was, was just pushing him out, directing him into what God wanted him to do. So rejection is part of the course, all right? Now, so Paul is, is here, and what I tell you? First Timothy chapter one, right? First Timothy 1, 
in verse 12. It says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has what? Now, enablement means that grace came upon him. That's what grace is. Grace is divine enablement. Okay, I know people say it's favor. It includes favor, but it's divine enablement. That's what grace really is. He says, so he has enabled me because, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, Lord. I didn't think about this before when I first said it. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, I, I took you through the story Wednesday night, right? When here is, here is Paul, Saul, we know him as, riding down the street, on his way to Damascus, going to bust up in the church. And what are he going to do now? He's going he gonna to go bust an usher in the mouth and drag some saints out the church, right? All, all the deacons, they like that. They like that, boy. He's going to bust an usher right in the mouth. So here he is. He's doing that. Light shines on him, falls off his beast, right? Lord, what, must, what do you want me to do? This is all in Acts chapter 9. Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord tells him, go down over here to, uh, to, this, to this city here, and I'm going to tell you what, what you're going to do. And then God tells uh, this guy, Ananias, go lay your hands on him. He's blind. He's heard from me and so forth. The Bible says he's blind for three days, and he doesn't eat for three days. Doesn't drink anything for three days. Right? Then the Bible says that Ananias comes and lays his hand on him, scales fall off of his eyes, and all of a sudden, man, he's filled with the Holy Ghost, and he begins to eat. The next verse says, and immediately, he began to preach. Immediately. Well, if I understand immediately correctly, then that's three days after he got, after he, uh, got saved. He was preaching in three days. Now this says God put him into the ministry, counting him faithful. How would God determine he was faithful in three days? Y'all see y'all. I'm trying. I'm, oh my God! Thank you, Holy Ghost, because I didn't even see that. Y'all, you, you, you have the same question I have, right? Maybe you don't. Let me give you. How would God? He says, "I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful." Putting me into the ministry in three days because it wasn't the three days, it was his whole lifetime that even though Paul was doing the wrong thing, he was faithful. Even though Paul was riding the wrong way, he was faithful. Even though Paul was coming against the kingdom of God, he was faithful in what he was doing. And God saw, oh, that's a faithful man right there. I, I need him in my kingdom. That's why I, that, see that, that's, that's, that's why, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't care. Oh my God. Matter, matter of fact, can I, can, I, can I go to the next verse on here? Watch verse 13, watch verse 13. Although I was formerly, I was a faithful blasphemer. I was a faithful persecutor. I was a faithful, insolent man. That, that word, that word insolent, you look it up in, in your Bible, it'll say violently arrogant. You couldn't, you, you couldn't tell Paul. You couldn't, you couldn't stop Paul. You gonna, which one of, which one of y'all security gonna stop Paul? I wish you would get up my way. I'm coming up in this church. I'm going to bust the first two ushers in the mouth. Take your weapon. He said, I was 
that word insolent, you look it up in your Bible, it means violently arrogant. Violently arrogant. He was, he was stuck up. I'm a bad man. That's the reason I woke up in the church. I'm a bad man. Which one of y'all up in here going to stop me from doing what I want to do? He was a violent, arrogant man. And verse 12 says, God counted him faithful. God counted him faithful. God saw this violently arrogant, blaspheming, insulting man who was faithful about it. See, you see, you see his, go back to verse 13. He's, he's, he said, although, although I was formerly, I used to be. Everybody say, I used to be. See, that's why I don't, you know, I don't like some of y'all when y'all, I love you, but I don't like when y'all play like you, you don't have a former life. Stop pretending. Stop acting like, I don't know, I, I, I was born, and I was born say I was born with the Holy Ghost. No, you were not. Let the record show You got some nasty stuff that you don't want anybody to know about. When I first read that Kirkley, you know what I thought about? I thought about, he said, like, I was Joan of Arc in my former life. Y'all remember that movie from Coming to America? He said, I was formerly. See, it, this scripture is why, why I, I love it when God brings a person from the pit. See, this, this, is, this, is why, this is why I think the church, the church ought to have a real heart and compassion for the drug dealer. That drug dealer who's dealing, I mean, good at it. I don't, I don't, mean, I don't, mean, I don't mean that little guy on the corner. He just, he's he, he, he dealing drugs and can't, can't even pay his own rent. I ain't talking about that. I ain't talking about that. That's, that drug is just sorry. Drug dealer, he, he got to borrow money for lunch. I ain't talking about that guy. I'm talking about that guy who was the real, the real deal. I need him saved. First of all, that joker got some guts. He got, he got some, some, some courage. He's got some smarts. He knows how to, he know, he knows how to, how to keep secrets. And, it's, and the kingdom, you got to know how to keep some, some secrets in the kingdom. Secrets in the kingdom? Yes. If I counsel you, you don't want me telling everybody your business. You need somebody who can keep some secrets. <laughs> they, know, they know how to count. Man, it, it, we, we got counting team, man. It take them two hours to count. Four thousand little dollars, five thousand little dollars. Take two hours. But you get you get me one of them dealers, give me one of them guys in the street. Pound. God counted Paul faithful. 
church was scared of him. Remember that in Acts 9? When he first, first got saved, first started preaching, the church was scared of him. But God counted him faithful. The church, the church boy be scared. Somebody, they, you out of prison? Oh, people be, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you just, <laughs> God counted him faithful. All right. Give me verse 13 again. Verse 13. I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorant in unbelief. So what he was doing was because he was ignorant. But the same fire, that same enthusiasm, that same zeal, that same zest, that same diligence. So be careful how you judge folk. That's why you don't condemn even the worst sinner to hell. Because even the worst sinner on your block, the worst sinner in your neighborhood, God, that might be the very one that God has his hand on. Why they should have been killed three times. But God's preserving them because there's coming a day, it might be next Tuesday, that God's going to knock them off their beast and bring them into the kingdom of God. That's why you don't stop praying for your unsaved loved ones, your unsaved neighbors, your unsaved friends, your unsaved co-workers, because God has a plan for them just like he has a plan for your life. God has a plan. <laughs> Nobody would ever thought God would use that kind of guy like that. Verse 14, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Now, why is this? Devin, why, why would he say to us, and the grace was exceedingly abundant? Because again, we, we need grace to abound so that we have power over the things that are coming against us. You know, we like to use this scripture. People like, people like, they like to use this as their uh, sin catch-all. You know, when sin, great, sin abounded, grace much more abounded. In fact, well, they, they, they say it incorrectly. They, they like to say, where sin abounds, this is Romans 6, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But that's not what it said. It says, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. It's past tense. Which means that there's enough grace, power of God to overcome that sin, the power of that sin. So for us, because we're not thinking about sinning no more, right? Right? Look at your neighbor and say, right? We're done with sin, right? We ain't playing no games with sin, right? Well, sin, there's, there's more, more challenges than sin. There's many more challenges than sin. <laughs> There's challenges of, I'm going to go back to it, boredom. There's a challenge. There's a, a challenge. That's, that's right. That's, that, that's right, Pastor Kim. Keep yourself stirred up. That's why the Bible talks about you got to stir yourself up in your most holy faith. You got to stir yourself up. That's why Paul said, stir up the gifts that are, that are in you. You got to stir it up. Because every once in a while, this, this life, you start to get like, <sighs> just kind of gliding through and you start to feel 
bored. Tell your neighbor he's right. Tell, tell, him, tell, tell your neighbor, he's reading your mail right now. He is reading your, he is all up in your stuff right now. He ain't talking about me now, but he's reading your mail right now. <laughs> but it's the reality. It's the reality. So you need some grace. Everybody say you need some grace. All right, now let, let, me, let me try to get more into this. Praise God. We're, we're gliding here. Go, go back to Romans 12. We dealt with this here um, last Sunday. Romans 12. Media, help me out. I'm, I'm going to let, let y'all take us through here today. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 3. We talked about all of us receiving a gift. Remember that? For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same what? So we don't all have the same function. I talked about that last Sunday. You and I don't have the same function. Many of us do have the same function, but most of us don't have the same function. All right? If all of us had the same function, then the body of Christ couldn't do anything. In other words, if... Uh, if I, I got a, I hear I got a bunch of great cooks in here. Oh, now, Lord is adding more chefs and cooks to the, to the, to the fold. Where's Barry? I don't see Barry. Praise the Lord. Huh? He was, he was here? Okay. He's going to, he in trouble. <laughs> Pastor call you and you in, nobody we found you in trouble. Ooh, we. Well, I'm going to use Chris then. Chris is chef. So let's say if Chris came grilled up, I heard he can grill and stuff. Let's say he grilled up a nice, a nice, uh, juicy steak. You, you pick your cut. Right? Ribeye. Somebody might say New York Strip, Porterhouse. We're going to get everything all in one. Okay? All right? But if, if, if you were all hands, you were all hands. The steak's over there, and you're all hands. You can't get to it. Right? Because you, you don't have any feet. You've got to be able to get to it. But what if you were all legs and feet? You can get to it. But you can't pick it up. That would be kind of nasty if you did. I can keep going. You understand the picture I'm making? You know, if you were all teeth, that's great, but you still can't pick it up. I mean, you, you, you got, it takes, it takes all these parts working together to make it happen. And when one part fails, the, the rest suffers. So you have to be careful to not drift over into somebody else's lane to try to follow someone else's function because it looks more glamorous. Right? Because we need you, and you need me, and you need us, and we need each other to do what we're called to do. And don't get bored being a foot. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Verse 6. Let me jump down here. Having then gifts different according to the grace. Remember I talked about that charisma? Oh, there's Barry. I was about to give you a prophecy, but I would have been prophesying. I would have been lying to y'all. I'm, I'm careful not to say, thus said the Lord, when the Lord didn't say something. <clears throat> you can go on now, the story's over. I, I already. I, I already <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. So, all right, so we have different gifts, okay, according to our grace. So remember that word gifts is charisma? According to our grace, our charis. So God gives you the charisma for your, for your particular calling. Yes. All right? Your, your assignment carries, um, requires a certain personality, a certain charisma. And God gives that to you. That's why God could look at uh, the kind of guy Saul was and says, man, he's perfect for this. You got it? Now, I don't have time to stay there too much. I want to keep going here. Okay, but I want to get to this part here. Verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing, differing according to the grace that is given to us, what's the next part? Let us use them. That's the part I want to bring out. Let us use them. So God, whatever gifting God gives you, whatever calling God puts in your life, he wants you to use it. Everybody say, I have a gift. I have a calling. I have an assignment. I have a purpose. So he says, let us use them. Whatever charisma, whatever gift God has given you, you have to use it. Which means you're going to be held reliable, held responsible from, uh, to God for whether you use the gift or not. You have the gift. Okay, now I'm going to show you something here. This, this is going, hopefully this will help us here. I, I want to go over to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. I want to show you something here. Because you, you got to do what God's calling you to do. You heard me? You have to do what God's calling you to do. Some of us, I'll put it this way, we got to find out what God's calling us to do. Right? Remember the challenge I gave you Wednesday night with, with Saul? When Saul, when he got born again, Saul fasted three days to get his assignment. In other words, Saul took time out to get his assignment. So how bad do you want to know what God's called you to do? See, because, because if, if you never know what your purpose is, then you, never, you can never fulfill it. And so you'll, you'll definitely be bored to the point you're always, you'll be flip-flopping here and there, everywhere, doing everything and everything, because you're, all, you, you, because you're trying to fill a hole in your heart. You're trying to fill this void. Many times people try to fill a void with a person. But it's not a person that's missing. Some, some, people, some people are so scared to be by themselves, they'll, you know. <laughs> so scared to be by themselves. I mean, it's like a revolving door. You know what I'm talking about? Sister Gary, people, they, they break up with somebody today. You know, break up. They break up with somebody today, and by next week, it's somebody new. 
by Wednesday, somebody else, somebody else knew because I'm just so scared to be by myself. I don't want to be by myself. You're trying to fill that hole with a person. But a person wasn't designed to fill the hole. A, the purpose was designed to fill the hole. Thank you, Lord. When God created Adam, he gave Adam a purpose. And he introduced Adam to his purpose before he gave him a person. He gave Adam a purpose before he gave him a person. <laughs> Adam, dress and keep this garden. Work this garden and make the whole planet look like this garden. Then God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I will make a help me suitable for him. I'm going to give him somebody to help him meet his responsibility. This is a marriage minute, I think. I don't know. <laughs> so when God brings a person into your life, it's got to be a person that is suitable to your purpose. But you got to know your purpose first. And too many folk are chasing the person before they chase the purpose and will end up getting the wrong person and it annihilates their purpose. They never become what God called them to be. Never do what God called them to do because they brought the wrong person and now they have to, they have to tend to the cares of that person. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, he said, he said, it's better for you to remain as me being single. He says, because the person who's single can take care of the cares of God. They can, they can, they can do whatever God called them to do. And I'm not, I'm not against marriage. I'm happily married. I'm happily married. Kirkland, you two put his hand up. Jermaine, okay. I, I ain't see Jermaine. Okay, I'm going to make sure I see some hands going up. Better be some hands going up in here now. I'm happily married now. Okay, okay, James, you do, you did it, you did. All right, I won. All right. Your face go what? But the person does not take precedence over the purpose. The person should be helping. That's why. Any of you who've gone through marriage counseling, premarital counseling with me, one thing you hear me talk about is making sure, brother, man. What's your purpose? What's your vision? Because if we don't know the vision, how can I help you with your vision? Because any, any fool knows it's real hard to follow a parked car. If a car is going nowhere, how can you follow it? You keep running into it, running into it, running into it. It's because, it's because sometimes these women have a better understanding of their purpose and their destiny than the man does. The man, he just thinks, I'm going to work. I just go to work. Work ain't your purpose. I'm preaching better than y'all letting know. Your job is not your purpose. 
Your purpose is bigger than your job. As a matter of fact, it's the word I want to get to. I told y'all, what's that word I told y'all? Course. Part of the course. When, when Paul says, he says, he says to, to Timothy, he said, and uh, this is uh, 2 Timothy 4, he said, I have finished my course. That word course in the Greek literally means I finished my career. I've literally finished my career. What I'm here for. So God gives you, he puts you here and gives you a career. And if a, I'm just, I'm just still in marriage, man. If a guy doesn't know his career, then he wastes time on PlayStation. He'll, he'll do everything else but his purpose and he are frustrated. Because, because, hey, what, dude, what are we doing? But at the same time, if a, you have a guy who does know his purpose, but the wife is all about, well, I'm this, this is my thing. I'm independent. I got to do my thing. We still got issues. Because God brought you along, sister, sister soldier, as a help. Me. Not to compete, but to help me the purpose God gave for this man. Adam, Adam, I got to give you purpose. Adam, I formed you for this purpose. So then Adam wasn't thinking about a wife. All he's working on is his purpose. Call all the animals, okay, you're an orangutan. You're a giraffe. That's what the Bible says. He brought all the animals to him to see what he would call them. He's focused on his purpose. And God's watching him fulfill his purpose. And God's saying, this ain't good for Adam to be by himself. He, you know, because he's flesh. All, all the children over there. He's flesh. What, what those orangutans doing? Father, what is that? And then, then it's all he's got. He got to bring him. He got to bring him somebody for himself. Then another thing is he's 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 supposed to supposed, he's supposed to take he's supposed to take uh, the garden and multiply, increase it, right? But you know the problem with men, we don't we don't really focus on details. Absolutely not. Glenn, am I right? Man, we don't really focus on details, so God brings a wife who's more detail-oriented, and, and she says, Adam, 
Now that was nice, but in the garden, remember that it, the roses had this little piece, that little thing. You gotta, you gotta do that, Adam. Hey, you missed that over there, Adam. Adam, he's Eve. Adam, I'm here to help you. Adam, I'm here to help you, Adam. Security. My wife is a great help me. So I've been having this foot issue, right? For years. And so my wife's been telling me for years, you need to get these orthotics, foot orthotics put in your shoes, and you know, it'll kind of done. And I kept telling her that's not what the issue is, it's not what the issue is. So I finally broke down yesterday morning. I said, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go to the store, I'm gonna do, get on a little Dr. Scholl's thing, and I'm gonna let it tell me what. So I, I, I said, I bought them. Because here, here's, here's, here's the bottom line, Luanda. I win either way. <laughs> if, 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 the, if the insoles help me, then I win. And if they don't help, I get to tell her, I told you so. <laughs> so either way, I win. <laughs> but you know everything in me wants them to work, right? I don't want to tell her I told you so. I, want, I, I don't want her to be able to say I told you so either. But she, you're not going to say that, right? Okay. All right. So, so watch. So here, here's what I was trying to get across. So people are chasing things outside of their purpose to fill a hole, to fill a void that can only be fulfilled by purpose. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. We, we know that, right? We like that. But notice the second line. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. When you read some translations, it'll say there's a void there. That's what it, that's really talking about. There's a void there. He's put eternity there so that no one can know, find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So in other words, God, there's this thing when you feel like something's missing. Has anybody ever felt like that? Something's missing in my life. That's not the time to create a, a you know, blacksingles.com profile. <laughs> Christian mingle. Farmers with cats. You know, they got all kind of profile stuff. You can, all kind of things you can go on. <laughs> That's not... Now, I'm not picking on you if you do that. It's, it's work for some people, obviously. That's the exception, not the rule. And that's only because they came here and I helped them. I'm just telling you the truth. Because, boy, they needed some help. Individually. But look at them now, boy. I mean, they, now, now they even match. Now, now they clothes won't even divorce. Match made in heaven. So, so the void is not the void is not 
okay, I got to go on uh, Indeed.com or whatever and find, you know, find the perfect job. It's not the perfect job. Because you'll find out that jobs, first of all, jobs aren't designed to be fulfilling. It's a job, baby. That's all, it's, it's all it is, it's a job. Somebody else is being fulfilled. That guy or gal who owns it, they're fulfilling their purpose. So they're, they're calling that, that they feel led, feel led about. Are you following me? So it's just a job. So it's not, well, if I get in a certain neighborhood, a certain house or whatever, it's not, it's not that. It's purpose. And so if, but if you fail to discover that, you fail to, to pursue that, then you will waste a lot of time and a lot of energy. I told you I go to 1 Corinthians 12 about an hour ago, didn't I? But don't go there. Go to Luke 4. Go to Luke 4. Hallelujah. About to say, I have a purpose. I'm out of time already. Wow. Man, man, man. Reset. Overtime. First touchdown wins. All right, give me just a couple more minutes, a few more minutes here, okay? We're going to try to get into this. Uh, are we not here Wednesday, are we? Oh. Okay. Um. Preach it over there? All right, we'll preach it over there. All right. Luke 4. See, your purpose has, be, has to take precedence in your life. Your purpose has to become more important than anything. Because if you don't, if, it, if that doesn't happen, then you'll waste time in the wrong place and doing the wrong things and with the wrong people. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Luke 4 and um, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I love the Holy Ghost. Luke 4 and verse 38. 38, 38. Can I start a little bit earlier? Let me start at verse 31. 31. I'll, I'll do this and then we'll try to disconnect from there. Is that all right? Okay. Verse 31 says, Then he went down, this is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. Now Capernaum is where his headquarters was. Capernaum is the rich city. He grew up, he grew up in Nazareth. He grew up in the hood. Nazareth is the hood. Nazareth was the ghetto. He was born there. Grew up in the hood. But when he, you know, he came up, he moved to Capernaum. Seaside village of comfort. Okay, and that's how God's moving you up to, right? When you get in your purpose. When you get in your purpose. Somebody don't let me forget Ephesians 2. Don't let me forget that. 
Verse 32. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with what? Authority. Authority. Verse 33. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of? Jesus of what? So he's still connecting Jesus Christ back to the ghetto, to the hood. But Jesus didn't live in there anymore. That's just where he's from. People are always try to connect you with where you're from. Okay? All right. Jesus of Nazareth, he said, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Or shut up and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in, the, in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Did not hurt the man any longer, okay? Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So now all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, who was, had, had this little kind of secluded little, isolated little ministry, all of a sudden, blows up. Okay? Now watch. Verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon is one of his disciples, Simon Peter. But Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was sick with a what? And they made request of him concerning her. Verse 39. So he, re- he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. That's good preaching right there. Notice he didn't stand over her and warming up, you know, talking about, oh, oh, that's sad and you, you really hot. No, he rebuked the fever and it left her, which means fevers must, must be able to hear. All right, keep going. He, he didn't speak to her, he spoke to the fever and it left her. I'm going to teach on, teach, start teaching on healing here pretty soon. Yeah. And we're going to do that because of 1 Corinthians 12. I'll get to that next time. And immediately she arose and served them. Now, so remember, he's got, he's popular now in this region, in this region, in this region. Everybody now knows about his ministry. He now uh, commands his fever to go out of uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. She's healed. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now that's wonderful. That's a powerful healing ministry. Hallelujah. God's given me that same ministry. Oh yes he has. And if you're in this house he's giving you that same ministry. Everybody say, I have a healing ministry. ministry. Say, I'm called to heal people. people. Hmm. Now, verse 41, and demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Right? Just, Just as a side note, why wouldn't he let them speak? Because, because... God never wants anybody to get demonic revelation. He wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew he was Christ. So he didn't want anybody to discover he was Christ through demons. 
that's important, ladies and gentlemen. We could talk about that a couple other places too. All right? All right, now watch verse 42. Here's, here's my target here. Verse 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. He's praying like he normally does. And the crowd sought him and came to him and watch this, and tried to keep him from leaving them. Everybody say, this is big. Now he's doing great work. And the crowd says, you got to stay here. 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose, I have been sent. Now notice, these people had good intentions. They were enjoying his ministry. They were benefiting from his ministry. People were getting healed. Demons are being casted out. He's preaching the word of God to them. And they want to they make a demand on him to stay here right where you are. But he said, I can't stay here because I have been sent to other cities. This is the purpose why I have been sent. So he said, I must preach other places also. See, now what would have happened? If Jesus Christ had stayed there, that's what he could have done. Stayed there, built himself a, build, a building, got himself a little praise team, band, put it together, you know, started a ministry and, you know, got him a little headquarters, everything, could have done all this kind of stuff. It would have been nice and cute, but he would have been out of the will of God. Doing good things out of the will of God. Doing good things out of the will of God. And that grace that was on him would have lifted. Are you hearing me? What I'm saying to you is that for him, his purpose took precedence over the people. Let me, let me rephrase that. His purpose took precedence over the demands of the people. He's all about people. But he wouldn't let their desire pull him out of his purpose. And what happens many times, people will pull you out of your lane into somebody else's lane. It's happened in church many times. You got a guy, he's a good deacon. And he gets up one Sunday, he lines one good hymn. Father. I mean, he gonna, he gonna line it. And he, he does it. Ah, ah, ah. Or, he, or he, he, he reviews the Sunday school lesson. Y'all remember we used, to, we used to review Sunday school lesson? Nobody. Back in the day, we were growing up, you have Sunday school, then you have the review. Ms. Patricia, you remember that, right? And you give a good review. Oh, boy, you ought to be preaching. Or it used to be, it used to be, it used to be this shallow. If a guy had a, a fat neck like that, you got a preacher role. You ought to be a preacher. And many people start preaching because they got a fat neck. You know them necks look, look like a pack of hot dogs. You know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they, they don't, a hot dog roll neck don't make you no preacher. It's just a fat neck.
Jesus Christ would have wasted his time, his resources, his talents, his skill, his life, stuck there in the wrong place doing a good thing. Purpose has to take precedence over that. Another time, you read the book of Matthew, Jesus Christ, see, but I'm talking about how purpose has to be important to you. Jesus Christ is out there and story comes back to him, your cousin, John the Baptist, is dead. He's been beheaded. He's killed, assassinated by Herod. And the Bible says he goes off by himself for a while, just like he did here. Went off by himself. Wow, he's, he's, he's grieving. He's, my cousin is dead. He's my forerunner. Who taught that, Michelle? He's my forerunner. My forerunner's dead. He's supposed to be, supposed to be the, my sidekick, really, in ministry. He's dead. What, what happens? The Bible says he looks up, and here comes a crowd. And they're going through. They're, they're suffering. And he... Wiped his tears, got up, knocked the dust off his, off his, his, uh, his knees, and went back to healing and ministering. Why? Because his purpose was more powerful than his pain. And if you never get a purpose in your life, pain will come along and derail you, the pain of grief the pain of sorrow, the pain of loss, the pain, of, the pain of, of, of pressure, the pain will come in your life. And if you don't have a purpose and your purpose is not bigger than you than your pain, it'll derail you. And pe people get stuck and never finish their assignment because they let pain, misery, grief, sorrow stop them. Someone died. I went through a divorce. I went through this. A divorce doesn't stop your, your purpose. A death of a loved one doesn't stop your purpose. But the devil will bring a spirit of grief. Spirit of heaviness. Watch this. I'm, this. I'm making this one up here, but let me do that. A spirit of boredom. A spirit of boredom. Oh, I just, I'm not really feeling it. Stir yourself up. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Go back to 2 Timothy. We've been looking at this, and we just hadn't read this one. We'll watch this. I'm going to read this one. We're done, I promise you. 2 Timothy, verse 1. Verse 3, rather. Verse 3. Are you there? I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Remember when we read this other night or a couple, couple weeks ago? Nobody? All right, verse, we did. We read this. Verse 5. When I recall, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, come on, which dwelt first in your Remember we read this now? 
and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded, is in you also. Now watch the next verse. Therefore, I remind you, Mr. Boredom, Mrs. Boredom, stir up the charisma which is in you to the laying on of my hands. So it's saying that charisma that's in you, everybody say, I'm called, I'm gifted, I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I have an assignment. I have a gift. It's my job to stir it up. It's not pastor's job. It's not my neighbor's job. It's not my spouse's job. It's not my flight team leader's job. It's not God's job. It's my job to stir myself up. Get on your feet. Get on your feet. Let's shake off that spirit of boredom. See, when boredom gets on you, you know what? This, this is the big issue. This is why the church is so full of entertainment now. The church is covered with entertainment. Why? Because people are bored. Why they're bored? Because they have no clue about their purpose. They're looking for somebody else to fulfill them rather than finding their purpose and being fulfilled in their purpose and their assignment. So now you got to bring in this speaker. You got to bring in that speaker. You got to, you got to, you can't just preach. You got to have a video with your preaching. You got to. Yeah, I got to put on skinny jeans and a muscle shirt and I got to have veneers and I got to have slick back hair. I don't have none of that. My hair as slick as it's going to be, right? That's it, right there. I can't put on skinny jeans. I ain't doing all that stuff. Because you get excited here but then go back out there and you'll be bored. Again, you bored again? Yeah, I'm bored again. By six o'clock, you bored. Why? Because the church is not to entertain you. The purpose of church and your men and women of God who he places in your life is, is to go back to put that scripture up there uh, from 2 Timothy 1 that we just read is to impart something to you. He, notice he said laying on of hands. Start the gift of God which is in you by the, through the laying on of my hands. Give me, give me one more verse. I said I was done. Watch this. You can stand up. Romans 1.11. Romans 1.11. Watch what he says here. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some charisma so you may be established. When you're established you don't need to be entertained. When I'm set, I don't, need, I don't need to be entertained. Cast, they ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. Oh, we got a new church open down the street, man. They, they, they got a carnival. I ain't going nowhere. I'm established. Oh, they, they got a new religion out there now. You know, you can, you can wear what you want and do what you want. I ain't, I ain't, I'm established. No, I'm, I'm established. How you got established? I found out my spiritual gift. 
found in my purpose. I, I, I wanted to get into 1 Corinthians 12 because I'm, I'm going I'm to teach you something that's going to kind of go a little against what, even what I've talked about before. About spiritual gifts. Because if I understand the word correctly, every one of us is given a spiritual gift. I mean, somebody here has the gift of discerning of spirits. Somebody here has the gift of word of knowledge. Somebody here has the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues. Gifts of healing, working, somebody has that, or you may have more than one. But the manifestation is directed by God. See, see, you've received something. There's something on the inside of you. You're not some empty-headed nobody, nothing. And the quicker we discover who we are and what we have and what we're called to do, the quicker we can get over boredom, the quicker we can get over into our assignment, and the quicker we can get over into living out, I didn't get a chance to read it, I'm going to save it. Don't, don't let me forget Ephesians 2.10. Next time. Because the good life God has for you is found in Ephesians 2.10, but is based on you finding your purpose. Your dream life is based on you finding your purpose. I'm telling you, I don't want you this week pursuing anything else. If you gotta turn the plate down, turn the TV off, if you gotta, you know, get off Facebook and Instagram for a few days, or whatever it takes to, to, to focus yourself so that God, I find, I'm, I'm tired of wasting my time. <laughs> I'm 47 I don't have any more time to waste I don't have any more time to waste some of y'all you 20 something you don't have any more time to waste I have a career and I'm not going to leave here until I finish my career Jesus said in Luke 2, I must be about my father's business. Praise God. Father, thank you today for the word that we have received. I thank you for each person today who sat under the sound of my voice here in this room, those watching online, now and those who are watching the future. I speak over their lives that God, you would reveal to each and every person our purpose. Reveal to us what we're here for, what we're called to do, Lord, that we don't leave purpose and destiny to other people and we just coast through life. That's not how you meant for us to live. That God, there's a purpose for us, for us, each and every one of us individually. You've, you've gifted us, you've called us. And God, that void that's in our lives, that empty feeling, that longing that we have, we realize today, It'll never be fulfilled by a person, 
by a job, by a house, by anything. It'll only be filled by your purpose entering to our hearts and us living out the life you call us to live. Father, I thank you that each person today would acknowledge the fullness of their calling. <laughs> I pray for those today, Lord, who, like Paul, have a former life. And God, that, that, that God will realize that some of those same attributes that we had in our former lives, when we were diligent and faithful to do wrong, you look for that same diligence. You said in your word, it's moreover, it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. So God, we want to be found faithful now in doing your purpose and your plan for our lives. Hallelujah. I pray today that God, you settle down every heart, every wandering mind, every wandering spirit. Those, your, your word calls wandering stars. Oh, we know that God, you called us your stars, but we don't want to be wandering stars. We want to be established stars. Once that you've established God, we're established by our calling, established by our purpose, and established by your grace. I pray tremendous blessing, bountiful blessing upon these your precious people that will fulfill our calling in our time. This is my prayer. We believe we receive it now in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Amen. And if you will receive that, agree with that, give God a shout of praise and a hand clap.